0: I would just encourage you. You woke up this morning. That's all you need to praise God. Luke chapter 2. In those days of the decree... In the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In the fullness of time. I like that. That's a good expression. The reason why I like that is because in God's own time. If you read the account in Matthew, it talks about through 40 and two generations. It took God to work it to where Jesus Christ was now going to be born and come into the world to redeem mankind. We learned in Sunday school class this morning, he came to rescue us. We needed Rescuing, we still need rescued today. Amen? He came to rescue us. Paul picked it up in Galatians when he talks about that in God's time, in God's time frame. Then and we pick it up even a little bit here in Luke chapter 2 because if you start out, it says, In those days there was a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. God worked it out. Micah 5.2 told us that there would be one born in the city of Bethlehem. Jesus Christ had no other choice. Joseph and Mary had no other choice but to make it to Bethlehem because of how God was working this all out. It was His plan. I like what, if you, if you read through here, what you find out is the reason why they had to be there is because He tells you in verse 2. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. All of that is God's working out. Now, I could spend a whole lot of time talking about who Caesar Augustus was, and that's really not his name. That's just his title. But I could tell you all about that, and I could talk about the registration that they all had to go up to, and make a, sort of like a census was being taken. It was a time for taxes, and they had to do all that. I could talk about all that, but what I really want you to understand is he didn't do that. Caesar Augustus didn't make out this decree on his own. God worked on his mind, worked on his heart that he decided that he needed to do that so that Mary and Joseph, would be in the city of Bethlehem because God had said in his word, that's where the Messiah was going to be born. He had to be there. And all that we learned in those first few verses, the first registration, and all that all went to be registered each to his own town. Joseph was of the city of David, which is the town of his lineage. His heritage was that he was of the house of David, which gives Jesus the legitimate right to be the king on the throne of Israel. Got it? He can't, he, can't, he can't claim to be king unless you can't, you can't claim to be king unless you fall within the lineage of those that are in that line. Jesus' tie on the earthly side is Joseph is of the lineage of David. That's why he had to go back to Bethlehem. Jesus could have just as easily been born in Nazareth because that's where they were. Got it? Because it tells you here, right here, they went to his own town, and Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth. They left Nazareth to go to Judea, to the city of David. They left where he was, which was Nazareth, because they talked about the Bible talks about. Here we call it a what? A Nazarene. Why is he called a Nazarene? Because he lived in the city of Nazareth. That's not where he was born, but that's where he grew up at. He's there right now. But God, in the fullness of time, God said, I've got to get my son to be in Bethlehem at the time of his birth. And the fact that they make it there was really all of God's design. Because what we find out, not only did he go to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was at the house in the lineage of David, and to be registered, but he also had with him Mary, his betrothed. She's about ready to give birth. Her time is about due. This is about a 70-mile journey that she made not in the comfort of an Escalade or in an infinity, or in a nice plush car that didn't feel all the bumps in the road and just a nice smooth ride. She had to be on the back of a donkey, clippy-clopping along the rough and tough roads, as she was about ready to give birth. Now, any man in here that has had a wife, that has had to give birth, knows that as the time approaches, the last thing you want to do is to get on her last nerve. They get to a point where they don't want to be bothered. It's like, don't touch me, don't look at me. I mean, in, 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 the time, I mean some of them, they, they, you know, the hormones, whatever, they don't, it's just, just leave me alone. And I can remember seeing movies with guys with, when their wives were having, uh, giving birth, you know, they were, you know, Trying to, Come on, honey, push it. You. you go through all those Lamaze classes, and in the end of the day, when you get there, some of it just, just flies right out the window. You know, it's like, don't touch me. What do you mean? Just, just, just get away. <laughs> this is painful. I was smart when my wife had our children. I vowed to myself, as my pastor told me one time, he stuck his finger in his wife's, do you and she bit down on it and almost <laughs> bit it off. I, lo- I vowed to myself when we were going through that, oh, no, no. I'm not putting my finger close to anything that could be chopping it off. I think the other thing she really did was grab my arm every time those pains hit. And I have a lasting memory of my, that nurse that kept telling me, any moment, Mr. McGee, the baby's coming, any moment. That any moment lasted for a few hours. But here's Mary. Here's Mary on the back of a donkey, 70 miles. She didn't have to necessarily go through the trip. But she did. Now, we can speculate why. Did she want to be close to her betrothal, her betrothal that was soon to be her husband? That could be a reason. Was she not willing to stay back in Nazareth because she understood that she stayed there? She had to listen to all the chirping and and barking and backbiting and and stink bugs that were spraying her because they were trying to figure out how she got pregnant even though her and and Joseph weren't married. All that could be speculated about. But the bottom line is she made the trip with Joseph. To be there at that point of time, at the place where God had already said she needed to be. There she is. There they are. In that place, because in the fullness of time, in God's time frame, it's now for the, the Savior to be born. It says that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Doctors can speculate. They can say, well, you're due on such and such a date. But that does not mean that that bundle of joy is going to come on that day and on that time. You can almost count it that just like Mary, just like Joseph, just like every other woman in the world that's ever gave birth, there is no exact science to predict the time. But the Bible tells us right here, right now, that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Jesus was born like any other baby. His birth. The, mir- the miracle is not in his birth. The miracle is in the conception. He was born like every other child has ever been born. Had to travel his way through time, through the place, through his mother's womb to come out. That, that does not change. What, did, what was the difference with Jesus was, it was how he was conceived, and that's why you, you look at the, the Gospel of Luke. Luke just kind of matter-of-factly, just like, just like okay, these are, this is just what's happening. They went to the city. They came here. They went there. They had to be in Bethlehem. And in the, the fullness of time, when it came time for her to give birth, she gave birth to her firstborn son. And then she wraps him in swaddling clothes and lies him in a manger, laid him in a manger. Why? Why are they there in this basically cave-looking structure with a bunch of stinky animals? The only reason why they were there is because there was no room for him, for them, at the inn. No room. She gave birth, and she wraps her her son in the in the swaddling in in the in the wrappings of what was there in that manger or in that cave, which was probably somewhat dirty, not a clean sterile environment. And I thought about this this week. It's this is an important picture of, just think of this, Jesus, God himself, from the very heights of heaven, with all of heaven's glory and all that heaven is, left all that to come down to earth to be born in a manger, in a cave-like structure with a bunch of stinky, dirty animals. Where the king comes that way? He who knew no sin became what? Sin for us. That in process he might give us eternal life. He left the very best to become the very least so that we might have the best in him. We ought to be praising God all over the place for what God has done. That's why we can sing about he's marvelous because. I don't know too many people that are going to make themselves uncomfortable for anybody else. Say, well, Pastor, you just don't know. You make these statements, and I don't know know how you can say that, because I sacrifice all the time. Well, yeah, we do sacrifice, but we have our limit of sacrifice. We do. If it's going to inconvenience us, if it's going to be time-consuming, if we don't think we're going to get anything out of it, if we think that, well, you know, they're, uh, you know uh, the game is, comes on at one o'clock,, or the game comes on at six o'clock, or the game comes on at eight o'clock. We, we, we base what we do around what is convenient for us. We, we now are in a, a mode of convenience. I don't know I think Sister Sigrid announced it that Thursday at six o'clock, we're having a candlelight service. Somebody says, what? Did he not know that we're all, we got other things to do? Well, yeah, I do. But what better way to talk about Christmas than come around and be with the the saints of God? It's, you know, I I get amazed that we think that it's his birthday. And typically on your birthday, it's about you. This is the only birthday that I can think of that it ain't about him, it's really about us. Shouldn't be, but it is. I mean, we all, I'm not, I'm not being downing on giving gifts and all, that's great. But Jesus is the reason. It's his birthday. So, you know, you know how it is when you neglect your birthday, let that person close to you forget that you had a birthday. You know, man, if you forget your significant other, your honey, the the love of your life. It's her birthday, and if by chance you just maybe got busy or just forgot, whoo, you gonna have some explaining to do? How do you think how do you think Jesus would feel that every December twenty fifth, and we don't even know if that's really the day, but that's the day we celebrate. If that's the day, that his day, how do you think he feels about us? That we forget, it's his birthday. I was telling my wife, I think it was my wife, or maybe it was my brother, somebody. I was t- telling somebody that uh, if I even planned some of the things that happened at this church, I'd have to be—I would have to be omniscient. I really would be. I watch what we learn in Sunday school. I watch what we talk about on Wednesday night, and I get amazed at how God ties a lot of things together. If I tried, I know some of you think, the reason why we're talking about this lesson is because Pastor looked ahead of time and figured it all out that we would be on this lesson at this time or this would be the book that we're going to talk. I don't plan all that. God says, yeah, you know, this would be so," But I don't plan that out. And I thought it was amazing to me that in our last session on I am a church member, I thought it was really amazing to me that we talked about a gift from God. I, I went to home and went home and I went, wait a minute, gift, gifts. We're in the mood of giving gifts, and I thought, and we talked about the last lesson. Said one of the best, one of the gifts that God has given us is church membership. Oh, well, how could I, how could I have figured that out? That on this time of the year, we're talking about giving and gifts that the last lesson that we talked about was the gift of God, which one of the gifts of God, two gifts. One is our salvation, and the other is our gift that he gave to us, which is church membership. How could I plan that out? I couldn't. I'm like, wow, God. I don't know if anybody else put that together, but I did. I'm just sharing it with you. I got excited about that. You say, it didn not take much to get you excited. No, not when it comes to things about the Bible and the Word. Oh, I thought that was great. I said, God, you're so good that when we're talking about gifts and we're running around doing all that, that we came in on a Wednesday night and we said, you know, what? one of the gifts that God has given to us is the gift of church membership. And for those of you who don't come and don't know, if you're somebody has a copy of the book, you need to read that. Yeah, you need the whole book. But I'm, I don't have time to go through it all. But that was that was, marvelous. That, that was great to me that God's greatest gift was wrapped up in the person of his son. But get this, it was about his salvation that he was providing for us. He died for you and for me. Wow! I'll just say it for you. I'll just say it. Glory! Hallelujah! Because I understand what he went to. I think the reason why we don't understand praise and worship and we don't understand it's because we don't understand to what extent God went to to save us we don't understand how messed up how dirty how unrighteous how unholy we are and still, God in the person of his son went to a cross suffered bled and died paid the price for your sin and my sin we haven't he paid the debt that we could never pay and for that reason, and for that reason alone, is enough for some of us to raise our hand and say, thank you! Oh, you would get excited if you went a Publisher's Clearinghouse. you would be excited if somebody said, guess what? I am going to pay every debt that you have. Whatever your bills are, don't worry about it. For the rest of your life, I'm paying everything that you will ever owe in your lifetime. And on top of that, I'm giving you some spending money. We would be, oh, oh, oh! Thank you, oh, thank you, Jesus, oh. And Jesus paid a debt that's beyond, I don't care what kind of bill, we all got bills, we all got mountains of debt, but Jesus paid something that we couldn't even pay, nobody could pay but him. And this is what we do. Somebody says, oh, Jesus paid it all, to all to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. This is our reaction, some of us. I ain't judging your reaction. I'm just telling you, how can that be? What is it that motivates and gets you excited? Does the word ever stir your heart? Does talking about Jesus just makes a smile come over your face? Does does, does, when you wake up in the morning and you hear the birds chirping, does that just make you go, oh God, you're so good? And you walk outside yesterday and you say to yourself, ooh, it's kind of cold out here. The winds are blowing across the plains. That's God's goodness. This hey, wait a minute. I ain't as bad as I think I am because I need a coat and some gloves. I had my little tabagi. I'm out there at Kroger's. Thank you to all of you who rang the bell and did all that. Appreciate your time of sacrifice and, and help. Appreciate that. But it was, was, was kind of chilly. I was glad. One lady came by. You're on the good side. I said, what? She said, oh, this is a warmer side than the other side. I said, my sister's on the other side. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I have, I make it, I have fun. She thinks I know everybody in Wilmington. I don't know a lot of people. I mean, I know some, but I just have fun. Hey, sir, how you doing? Merry, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Oh my God, man, you're coming out, man. You, you, the basket's full. So does this mean you're done? No, I'll probably be back later. Oh. <laughs> All right, hey, have a Merry Christmas to you. Somebody comes in, puts their little money in in the thing, and, and I go Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I said, Well, thank you. You too. I said, hey, have a great day. People, I take it a challenge. People come in like, Merry Christmas. One lady came in with a frown. but When she came back to me on my side, she did leave with a little smile. Her, her lips kind of went up a little bit. So I, 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 I counted that as a victory. <laughs> I said, oh, she can't. I used to do that when I worked for UPS. I would go to people's houses, deliver, and they, what do you want? I go, sir, I'm just bringing your package. You know? And some people I had to go repeatedly. So over time, I said, I'm going to work on this guy. I'll get him to say, smile. Some people, they don't care. They, they, walk, they don't want to make eye contact with you. <laughs> I said, OK. You, I, can't, I can't get to you because you ain't making eye contact with me. And I watched, there was two guys, well, four guys, Lions Club. And I was going to tell them, I said, to me, being out there is a social commentary on our society. I watch pe- I'm a people watcher. Like I said, some people walk in, and they, don't, they know you're there, but they just don't want to, they, they just act like, don't, you know, you're, you're, you're like the wall. Other people, they come in. Hi. People went in, I said, good morning. How are you? I almost doing it. Thank you for shopping at Kroger's, but I didn't do that. <laughs> of course I said, like, what is he doing out there? What am I saying? I'm saying all this to say this. That's how we should be in the church. We can read something this can become such a, a matter-of-fact story. We read it at Christmas time. We know about the, the angels. We know about it's like, that's just, that's just it. No, it's more than that. This is about the fullness of time. God, in in his time, in his place, decided to come to visit us here on earth. And guess what? The same God that planned all the things out about Jesus' birth is the same God that in the fullness of his time, no matter what you may be going through today, no matter what your circumstances are today, in the fullness of God's time, God will work it out. You You could talk about the story of Jesus. And see how he put it all together? He had to be in Bethlehem. There had to be Mary. There had to be Joseph. There had to be John the Baptist. All the things that he point by point, place by place, tied it together like a great gigantic puzzle. God put it together. And that same God that did that then, it's the same God that could do that today in your life and in my life. And you can get overwhelmed by your circumstances, but you can also give your circumstances back to God. telling my daughter right now I said I know where you want in your life I know where you want to go and I know for you to see that we don't I don't see trust God if God wants you there do you not think he's big enough and knows all how do you know how do you how how can we have faith is our faith is like this we got tunnel vision I don't have a ton of vision. I believe I serve a great God, and I know God is able to do all things but fail in life. Yes, on paper, yes in my life, it looks like it's impossible. But with God, we just talked about it the other week, all things are possible with God. My God, what's wrong with us? So I tell her, I don't know how God's going to do it. But I know if that's where you want to be, he's going to make a way for you to be there. And if not there, wherever he wants you at, baby, that's where you're going to be. Don't ask me how the guy in your life is going to get here to Wilmington or wherever you need to go to get to him. I don't know that. But I know that if you want to do right by God, you want to be right before God. You can say as a man or a young woman or a young boy, hey, I want to be the best person that I can be in Christ. And if you want a mate you want somebody, God is able to bring into your life the right person. You just need to be the right person first. You draw nigh to God. You claim him. You wrap your arms around Jesus. You trust Jesus. And in the fullness of time, don't know when, don't know where, don't know how, God will provide. I believe that with my whole heart. So, I don't understand. I really don't. Help me to understand. Where's our faith? Where's our trust? Don't know if I ever get the answer to that. I know I have faith and trust and believe. Well, but some of us don't. I get that. But the same God that got us here is the same God that will bring us through. To me, it's really simple. It's one of two choices we have to decide. We either trust God or we don't trust God. And if we say we trust God, what would you do? Somebody say you look at the Bible, okay? Let, let Let me bring up a witness. Abraham was told to pack up everything he had. To go to a place he didn't even know where he was going. God said, pack it up and watch me. I will lead and guide you to the place you need to be. Elisha and Elisha. Looking around. One. Elisha was looking at the circumstances and said, how are we going to defeat this enemy? I mean, we're surrounded, Elijah. There's a, They're on every side. Elijah had to pray the prayer. Lord, open up his eyes. And when he got his eyes open... They were open, but they weren't open spiritually. But when his spiritual eyes were open and he saw the hosts of heaven surrounding him and the armies of God ready to, to defeat the enemy, he had to praise God because he only saw what he wanted to see. It wasn't until his eyes were open spiritually that he had to wait, wake up and say, wait a minute, we serve a great God. Talk about Gideon. Hundreds, thousands of other men. And God said, you got too many people. Maybe that's the problem. See, we look at numbers. God never looks at numbers. God looks at hearts. God looks at minds. God looks at spirits. Get in. You got too many. I'll tell you what you do. We need to reduce this down. Let those that come down and those that lap like a dog. I mean, talk about being low. I mean, I watch my dog sometimes. Now, Gideon, out of all those men that you had, You only got 300 that really want to do right and really want to serve me. Take that 300 and watch what I can do. I say this, I've said this over the years. God has yet to see what He could do. Not with 45, 50 folks. No, don't take all that many to do what God wants to be done. It takes people who want to say, God, I want to serve you. I want to glorify you. 300 defeated a horde of enemy that on paper looked like it was impossible. Jesus, born in a little town called Bethlehem, grew up in a little town called Nazareth. But that little baby was a special baby. He was the king of the universe. And that king Defeated our worst enemy in the person of Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. He has no more power over you. He can influence you, but if you are allowing the devil to influence you, that's your choice. Because we already know. We have a more sure word. What do we have, Pastor? We have the word that says, Greater is he that is in you. Talking about Jesus, if you have, if you have him greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you can defeat anything satan wants to put in your life by simply claiming jesus you say you know him you say you believe him you say he's your savior you say he's the lord of your life well when the devil gets on your case what you need to say is what jesus said when he was out in the wilderness satan get behind me I'm not going to allow you to mess with my heart and my mind, put doubt in my life, cause me not to do what, you, what God wants me to do. You need to hit the road, Jack, and be honest with you. Don't come back no more. And watch God give you the victory over whatever it is that's holding you back from doing what God wants you to do. Glory! Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'll say it nobody else will say it. Because God's just worth that much. Amen? Amen. In God's time. In the fullness of time. God works it all out. Amen? Amen? Thursday evening. I will pick up the rest of this account. About the shepherds. Out in the field. And all of a sudden. They hear a, the angelic hosts praising God. See, I don't get tied up into Some people can tell me, I, I, I'm not like that pastor. I don't praise. I'm, I'm not a voice. To, I, I don't demonstrate. I, I don't do anything verbally. I don't do anything. But you know what? I, I would tell you nicely and politely, that's not true. There is something in this life that will get you excited that you will do something. For those of you who say that and you're married, there was a day that a certain individual walked by your path. And I'm quite certain, if you still got a little flicker of light, a little flicker of heat, that when that first time she walked by or he walked by or whoever and he or she may be. Uh, they caught your attention. Ooh, mm. <laughs> okay. And you said to yourself, "Self, that's worth me chasing after." <laughs> now you didn't go by. If this person's really made it, you didn't go. Just, go. Just, uh, there was something There, there, there was a little. I'm striking the flint. There's a little something that would, you hope that strike of flint would turn into a roaring flame. And you're telling me, you go to a ball games. you can cheer for the Vikings, you can cheer for the Bengals, you can cheer for the Steelers, you can cheer for whoever it is. Brown. And the Browns can, well, yeah, Lord Jesus, don't leave out the Browns. They, you can come off your couch. I mean, you're sitting there and they make a mistake. I know I'm right because I got some people in my house that do this all the time. They're sitting there and I hear, oh, you you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) That's what they do. Or I hear every once in a while, boom. What in the world's going on back there? Somebody done fumbled, somebody done thrown in a reception. Just a Tammy watching her grandson. I'm not. I'm certain. I don't. She ain't got no problem praising, but she prays all the time. But I am certain when her her baby took that pick six and ran it back. Woo! <laughs> that's my baby. That's my grand. That's mine. See how it is, go? Oh, I'm quitting. That was nice. What I'm saying is there's something. That's why these, angel, these shepherds are going to praise God. There's something happens. So, something has to happen on the inside for you to be able to express it on the outside. I close with this. Maybe our problem is maybe for some of us nothing's really happened on the inside. You cannot praise what's not already in there. If it's not in there, it just ain't coming out. But I hope and pray that it's in us. And then we're going to say, you know what, Lord, I... I got to confess, 2015, I had a, I'll talk about this on, on the first sermon of the new year. I had a horrible year, but God, you're worthy of praise, honor, and glory. Why? You're God. Amen. And you saved me. I can praise God in the midst of a whole lot of trouble. I and mean, anybody got in the midst of troubles I got. I got a whole lot of trouble. I got trouble on every and every leading side. Okay. But that's not going to stop me from praising God. That's not going to stop me from preaching the word. That's not There's nothing on this earth that's going to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. It ain't nothing. Else. No power. No. No. You. No. In N-O, oh no way. God. I know what God wants us to do. I know what God wants me to do. I want to stand on the word of God and go forward. Amen. And trust God. God is in your hands. You know what? When you do that, do you only either you go with God or you go against God. And I'd rather go with God than go against God. Because everywhere I look, those that went against, oh, well, they went about their salvation, but I don't want to have to go through anymore. I'm already going through enough. I don't want to add to my burdens. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. In your time, you worked it all out. Lord, I really believe you. You want to work out some things in all of our lives that's here today. I don't know everybody's specific situation. Don't need to know, but I know you know. Work it out. May they see your hand in your life, in their life. When they walk in the church doors, what they see is God's gracious hand. And Lord, your gracious hand has been on us whether we believe it or not. Individually and collectively, you've led us every step of the way. And Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you for raising up inside of me one day the newness of life, the joy I can have of knowing that I'm saved, I'm secure, I know where I'm going to be, that heaven is going to be my home. And I will dwell in your presence forever and forever. I pray that same testimony will be on the hearts and minds of all that have come to know you, that said yes to you one day in their life, that they know for certainty that, Jesus, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Thank you for this time of prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.